Podcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, the city of innovation, education, and of course, Fenway Park, this is TI Clergy Corner, a weekly podcast that brings you timely, insightful, and impactful weekly sermons. In this episode, we'll hear a live recording of Rabbi Dan Slipokoff's Yom Kippur sermon delivered on Wednesday, October 9th, 2019, entitled Embracing Uncertainty. Imagine a man with zero hairs on his head. We would call this man bald, correct? Okay, if we add one hair to that man's head, is he still bald? Sure. Homer Simpson famously has three hairs. Is he bald? What if someone had 20 hairs on their head? Or 100? Or 765? The average human head has around 100,000 hair follicles. Sooner or later, we all come to a threshold where we can no longer confidently say that man is bald. I'm sorry if this is triggering for anyone. It might be a different number of hairs for each of us, and I bet you, if you set a hard limit on the number of hairs on a bald man's head, you would have a hard time telling the difference if I crossed that line by taking one hair away. This has been a harmless little thought experiment as we continue to mentally stretch for this marathon of Yom Kippur. But the scenario does introduce one of the more challenging, and I'll personally say frightening, concepts in our lives. Uncertainty. I loathe uncertainty. I don't like when it's thrust upon me, like when someone starts to say something important and then cuts themselves off and says, I'll tell you later. And I really don't like my self-inflicted uncertainty, like when I'm at the store to buy ice cream, but I'm confronted with an aisle full of choices. I think society dislikes uncertainty too. More and more frequently, I witness people reaching for their phones to check on facts, even trivial ones, rather than engage one another to work out the answer in conversation, or maybe just let it remain a mystery. The flip side, of course, has consequences as well, as some in our society take advantage of those uncertainties to feed us lies and false information, hoping we avoid being scrutinous, and accept their facts rather than confront the uncertainty. But these are heavy stakes, and I'd like to stay avoidant for one more moment. One of my favorite places to examine uncertainty is in professional sports, in part because it's a very low-stakes setting, and in part because it is one of the only places where I welcome suspense and uncertainty. I love the energy of ups and downs, high drama and tension as the last seconds tick off the clock in a close game. But recently, those last second moments have grinded to a halt as referees are tasked with reviewing their calls on instant replay. Enter the unwelcomed anxiety-provoking uncertainty that makes us doubt what we clearly thought we saw. The longer the referee reviews the play, the more angles looked at, the less certain they can be of what they originally thought they saw, which prolongs the process even more. At some point, these reviews amount to adding and subtracting hairs on a bald man's head. Either he's bald or he isn't. Either it's a score or it's not. Let's get on with the game. Instant replay for the sake of certainty devalues the human element at hand. 
It condemns our natural fallibility. After all, to err is human. It demands perfection at the expense of an in-the-moment joy. Way back in 1989, predating the current state of instant replay, Major League Baseball Commissioner A. Bartlett Giamatti wrote, What do we learn about our society when we demand total accuracy all of the time and are willing to elevate technology and sacrifice interpersonal interaction on the field to get it? When human relationships devolve for the sake of being certain, I believe we have missed the mark. Most of life does not come with instant replay, and we do not have the opportunity to stop time to evaluate every angle to make sure that we get it right. Time keeps ticking and life goes on. Whether we're correct or made a mistake, whether we know the final outcome or not. The truth of the matter is that my family has been facing all sorts of uncertainty lately. We moved to Boston at the end of June when my wife Allison was 31 weeks pregnant. We were in a new city and a new home with a new baby and this new career in a matter of weeks. I've been frustrated with people over the past month to ask if things have settled down. I felt like nothing is settled. I felt like we were in survival mode. But when I pause and I take a step back, I realize that I just actually checked a lot of boxes which remain huge unknowns for so many others. My settling is actually just that, a matter of getting comfortable in my new environs. I was blessed to find a job which provides health insurance. We were able to find a somewhat affordable place to move into. My wife safely gave birth to our beautiful son and thank God the two of them are both healthy. Is this a moment for relativism? Should I be dealing with my challenges through the lens of some people have it harder? Maybe. Maybe that should be an impetus for gratitude. Life's uncertainties can be far more severe. Where will next month's rent come from? Who will watch my child if I get sick? What if my partner turns violent again? Will I be safe? What if the Supreme Court rules against my protections? What if this traffic stop turns bad? These are high stakes uncertainties whose unclear future holds outcomes and carries immense weight. Our human brains do not like uncertainty. No, we are programmed to like we are programmed to like routine. Normalized behaviors allow for routinized brain activity and create a sense of calm and safety. That baseline feeling of safety allows for our brain to focus on more ambitious projects, such as exploration, play, cooperation. The brain of someone who feels constantly uncertain specializes in managing feelings of fear and abandonment. In this context, it's no wonder that the theology of Deuteronomy attempts to remove uncertainty. The foundational Jewish mindset lays out the rules and structures for a relationship with God quite simply. Follow the rules and you will be rewarded. Disobey and you will be punished. There is no chance or accident, only order and justice. As we will read tomorrow, I have placed before you this day life and death. Choose life so that you and your children shall live. Our Yom Kippur liturgy fits right beside it. Who will live and who will die? 
as we place our year's merits and sins on life's ultimate scales. We know that we do not live in the world of Deuteronomy. We know that unplanned and unexplained events impact our lives on a daily basis. And though we often think about Yom Kippur as a binary holiday, life or death, gates opened or closed, we find ourselves in this moment in between outcomes where no ink has dried and anything is possible. I have two stories of synagogue uncertainty I'd like to share with you, taken from my last two high holiday pulpits. Two years ago, I found myself in a small town in north central Pennsylvania in a congregation that had roughly 12 members. The town, which was once a major lumber and railroad hub, had faded over the years, and with the exodus of industry, so too went most of the Jewish population. On Yom Kippur afternoon, the congregation's president toured me through the cemetery. There, you could track 150 years of family names and stories. There, you could see the names of loved ones whose names we would read during Yisker the next day. And there in the cemetery, the congregation strangely came further to life. As we left the cemetery, the president mentioned that he had planned to get the congregation's Torahs appraised. Having already sold the building to a local university, the Torah tote became the congregation's most valuable possessions. The three members of the leadership council were in debate over what should be done. Should the Torahs be donated to a needy congregation? Or should they be sold so that the money could be used to maintain the cemetery even after the shul inevitably closed its doors? I quickly realized that the congregation was on life support even more than I anticipated. I felt depressed to say the least. But in that afternoon, I had the chance to spend some time alone with the congregation's oldest member. A man in his 90s in failing health. For me, he was the embodiment of that local Jewish community. I had literally walked by his burial plot an hour before. Here was a man who held life and death in the same moment. He bemoaned the loss of his beloved wife and was anxious about upcoming surgeries, but in the exact same moment, I have never seen a man more enthusiastically greet every day. He knew the importance of seizing the moment, embracing everyone he encountered with immense joy, and though I'm sure a piece of him knew that his number of high holy days with that congregation were dwindling, but after seeing a parade of HUC students like myself, he believed passionately in the future, which motivated to live in the present. He chose life. The second story comes from last year. Last Yom Kippur, my rabbinic internship took me to New York City, to the 92nd Street Y, and all over the country. I stood not at a bima, but I sat on my laptop. My role for the High Holidays was to be an online moderator for the WISE robust live streaming program. While most shuls have a one-way stream where the at-home worshipers sit passive in participation, the Y has set up their live stream as a chat room where people could ask questions and share their thoughts during the service. This gave me a window into the minds and hearts of thousands as we wove our way through Yom Kippur. Many people were feeling isolated and alone grateful for the contact points created by our cyber shul. Many were painfully remembering loved ones. Most were moved by the music and excited to begin the new year. On Yom Kippur, our personal moments are typically silent and our communal moments typically scripted 
But here we have an opportunity to deviate from that path and communicate laterally during this so often top-down holiday. A question on metaphors of God led to a conversation about gender identity. Our healing prayers led to communal outreach and meal share opportunities. I was certain, I was uncertain, excuse me, if I would be able to find holy moments in front of the screen or create them in a chat room, but the answer was a surprising yes and an inspiration to think more creatively about our communities in the future. I remember the first person opening up about some pain they were experiencing. The responses came slow at first, but they were unanimously supportive and empathetic. We adopted the phrase, we are here for you, which chatters repeated in response to fellow congregants throughout the Hagim during moments of shared suffering. Here at Temple Israel, living in the vibrant Jewish community of Boston, it is easy to feel secure about our Jewish future. But in other parts of our Jewish world, there are communities disappearing and isolated individuals out of range of a much needed community. But all of these moments of facing uncertainty, not shying away from it, happened because we gather together to observe, no, to celebrate Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a spiritual innovation which helps us confront and cope with all of life's uncertainties. Uncertainty will pervade, but we address it rather than hiding from it. Yom Kippur provides a blend of personal and communal reflection on how we'll get by and how we can help others do the same. We may not know the right answer. There may not even be a right answer. And so Elie Wiesel's words may ring true to us in this moment. Perhaps you are not looking for answers. You are looking for responses to your questions, to your life, for ways to live rather than ideas to espouse. Answers close things down. Responses do not. We don't always have answers, but we can always give a response. Sometimes to a loved one, sometimes to a relative stranger online, sometimes to our reflection in the mirror to keep the conversation going and to address what lies ahead. On this Yom Kippur, I would like our response to be leaning into uncertainty, confronting the unplanned so as not to be paralyzed by fear and to embrace the unknown for the laboratory of creativity it can become. It means leaving our comfort zone and it means taking some risks. In the upcoming year, may we choose life in the face of uncertainty May we share our anxieties and may they be less bitter because we share them. And may our shared successes be sweeter because they are multiplied. Lashana Tova, in the midst of all the uncertainties, may you be sealed with strength, courage, community, and possibilities in the year ahead. Thanks for listening to TI Clergy Corner. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll visit our website, www.tisrael.org slash clergycorner. This has been a Temple Israel of Boston production. Join us next time for another episode of TI Clergy Corner.